Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Rockman Power Hour. Uh, I'm Jason Rockman, and uh, we're really, really excited today to be joined by somebody um, who, if you know rock and roll and if you're a fan of heavy metal, uh, this guy's kind of been a mainstay in the metal world, and he did it all by playing a flute. And I'm talking about none other than Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull. He's going to be our guest today on the Rockman Power Hour. I am excited to be speaking with him. And, um, you know, this guy was known for not only his um, his flute playing in rock and roll, but his storytelling through his music, his uh, just insane, insane frontman skills. Um, and the guy was a, a force of nature when, when Jethro Tull started. And he's also known for dethroning Metallica at the Grammys, which was a great story too. But um, before I get too far ahead of myself, I would like to welcome Ryan Stick, my co-host, to the podcast what's going on ryan i'm go it's going good today man it's uh it's a cr really cool interview with uh ian who i got to admit like there's this joke on that 70s show <laughs> where they're like hey we're going to the led zeppelin concert and she's and jackie says i want to go too in fact i think led is hot <laughs> as if like led zeppelin's was like it, the a, it, a guy yeah and i thought all these years that jethro tall was a guy, guy named Jeff. Yeah. But, but, I, but I was wrong. And Ian Anderson is very not, is very not much Jeff. And uh, yeah, but it's a good one. Yeah. No, Jethro Tull, um, they're, it's funny because they're one of these bands that um, they're, they kind of, I don't want to say they fly under the radar because they don't, because they definitely have their fan base, but they've always kind of walked that line between traditional rock and roll, prog, um, you know, cause a lot of people will consider them very progressive, uh, because of Ian's flute playing cause a lot of the arrangements, but, but the thing is, if you watch old footage of them live, they were really, really something else. Um, Ian was a great front man, really, really enigmatic, a lot of energy and, you know, the idea that, that someone played a flute in rock and roll music and made it cool. Uh, that alone, um, is, is, is something else. And, uh, it, it was, it was really fun to be able to chat with him because, you know, they've got a new album coming out um, and he's 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 someone who's always been on the road. He's always been touring, whether it be his solo stuff, whether it be back with Jethro Tull. Um, but this is the first Jethro Tull album in quite some time. And it's it's just fun to to think that a guy who's been doing this for as long as he has um, and making the mark, you know, on music the way he has is still not only has something to say, but um, but says it convincingly. Absolutely, man. And uh, I was looking up some Jethro Tull facts. Mm. I was like, well, if his name's not Jeff, who is Jethro Tull and why are they naming this? And apparently Jethro Tull uh, was an English agricultural uh, agriculturalist <laughs> from um, the from the 1670s. That's pretty really? cool. 1670s. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't well, know. he was he was born in 1674. Okay. And he died in 1741. Wow. None of this has anything to do with Ian Anderson, but I think we're a little smarter right now for all knowing this. <laughs> I really appreciate that information. I had no idea. I mean, my introduction to Jethro Tull was through show. Um, you know, growing mm -hmm. up in Montreal, they, they were a band that we played all the time. Uh, and that I remember hearing Jethro Tull when I was younger. I remember hearing Aqualung. I remember, you know, smoking dubs and listening to, to, um, you know, thick as a brick and, and all these records. And, and there's just something different about them that, that I, I always really appreciated. And I don't know, I'm just, when, when I got the opportunity to have Ian Anderson on the podcast, uh, I was like, well, how do I not jump at that? Do you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's not every day you get to talk to someone like Ian Anderson, whose influence, 
you know, influenced music in his own way and, uh, and, and just continues to have a steady output of music, uh, continues to have, uh, you know, an influence on musicians. You know, if you talk to a lot of up and coming musicians that, um, that are looking for something on the fringes of rock and roll, especially of, of classic rock, Jethro Tull is one of those bands, you know, they, they kind of fall in that category where, you know, if you know, you know, and, um, and I'm sure, I mean, it's, I guess for you growing up, there must've been bands like that too. Yeah. All I knew about Jethro Tull was that uh, Metallica didn't win the Grammy <laughs> and, and yeah. Jethro Tull got it. But like later in life, found out a little bit more. I remember seeing a performance of Jethro Tull in a Rolling Stones rock and roll circus and um, and reading in Tony Omi's book that he joined Jethro Tull for just a little bit right before yeah. Sabbath really uh, took off. But well, he, they, uh, they, they were they were a really like well-respected uh, arena rock band. You know, they were a band that that people, you know, the, the musicians love them because they had great musicianship and they, their, their live shows were ferocious, man. I mean, you watch some of that stuff from Ian in the seventies and he was just like a ball of energy, man. Like, you know, he was, he commanded the whole, the whole audience. Um, and it's, it's cool. It's, it's just, it's just cool when you think that, that, that the guy still has all the integrity and still has, has his wits about him. Um, you know, a lot of people that, that, played in that era didn't survive that era and uh but i don't think he was a druggie i don't think he was a druggie i don't think he was into substance from what i from what i've heard um he's he wasn't someone that was into, into any of that stuff he was he he was all about the music yeah uh, like when he spent all his time with a flute in his mouth other people had pipes yeah and uh, it didn't go well so uh you know more more flutes everyone less yeah. pipes i'd That'd like to great. see you with a flute in your mouth <laughs> <laughs> you're like what what did you just do no i was just thinking i'm like do i make it worse because i have a comeback i have a comeback but i'm like i don't know <laughs> let's keep it let's keep it let's keep it clean um all right well why don't we go why don't we uh, why don't we go right to this because uh, i'm excited for people to hear this check it out here's our conversation with ian anderson of jethro tall All right. Uh, really, really happy to have on the Rockman Power Hour with me today, uh, Mr. Ian Anderson from the band Jethro Tull. Uh, I think one of the one of the happiest emails I've gotten in, in the last little while is um, one hearing that you had a new album coming out because it has been it's been a minute. <laughs> well, it, um, it it it's it, it's been a frustrating four years that uh, I started work on the new album, <clears throat> which I decided should be released as a Jethro Tull album because the guys in the band have been playing with me for on average 15 years and it seemed appropriate that they should uh, be recognized as performers on a record by Jethro Tull, having done hundreds and hundreds of concerts as Jethro Tull. But, right. Um, it was the first time uh, that they would be on a, a Jethro Tull album. So I wrote it as a band album starting um, at nine o'clock in the morning on the 1st of January in 2017. And I then uh, wrote uh, in the next six weeks, I suppose I completed all, all the, um, the, the lyrics and the rough ideas of the song, made demos and sent it to the band. And they had all the material to rehearse uh, with together and um and then we went into the studio and recorded the first seven songs and i finished four of them in between tours that year but uh i kept telling myself oh i'll 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 finish the rest of it soon right. but of course when you're on tour all the time you get back for two or three nights before you go again it didn't seem very fair to 
force the band into the studio and give up the little bit of private time they had with friends and family. So they kept getting put off. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. And that was really the end of um, uh, for the next year and a bit that, that we couldn't get in a studio safely to work together. And I decided I should finish the album on my own and then maybe ask some of the guys to contribute a little uh, by sending in some audio files that they recorded in their home studios. And so it, it didn't get finished until, um, I suppose, around May, June this year. And um, and that was uh, a long time. You know, it seems like a long time, but the total number of hours spent making the record are probably absolutely no more than we've ever <laughs> spent in the past. It's just that it, they, got, they got split up over a long period of time. But it, nothing changed. You know, the, the songs were all in written in stone, not if not tablets of stone, as in <laughs> mine as the mountain. But they were written, uh, yeah. And hardly anything changed from from you know January, February two thousand and seventeen until until the final recording uh, and the mixing took place. I might have changed the odd little one one or two words, right, um, here and there, um, but some of those. You know, quite often when you're singing singing a song and you you misread your own lyrics and you sing perhaps the wrong word or the wrong in the wrong order, you you sing something a line of and I, I at the end of it all I I did have to make tiny tiny adjustments and changes to to uh, make sure the lyrics reflected exactly what I sang on the record. But um, basically, it's it's almost unchanged from the original word <laughs> document that that i um worked on and edited way back um four years ago is this um uh, you know you mentioned that the the guys were sending files and you guys were exchanging files back and forth from you know uh, from a safe distance this is probably something that's more common for bands nowadays than ever being I mean, a lot of bands work that way before this was this did you ever work this way with a band or was it always, if you were recording, whether it be solo stuff, was, was it usually something that you, you preferred to be in a room and work it out or, or had you been accustomed to doing this kind of recording before? Well, I, I've done that kind of recording before as a guest artist with other right. people for, for years and years and years. Yeah. Um, even going back to analog times, you know, I could still send a, a tape with my stuff on, but um, obviously in digital era, recording technology it's easier to do it you can um you can uh, you know have something in somebody else's safe hands same day as you've done the recording and um so i've done it lots and lots of times but I, it's not a something i you know I, I much prefer to combine the best of old not old technology but old recording methodology mm -hmm. with modern technology and so i like to get in the studio with the guys rehearse everything properly yeah fin finalize the arrangements and then we go in the recording studio to actually perform it live and and um that's how this album or at least seven of the 12 tracks were done that way and so they do have a you know i mean they're played live together even the guitar solos were played live in the studio as we were recording right they weren't overdubbed afterwards so i think that conveys you know some of the energy and the the enthusiasm of the band for performing it like we would play live together on stage. Um, and speaking of energy and enthusiasm, there seems to be a lot of it on this record. Um, I got a chance to sit with it a couple of times uh, before we chatted today. And um, I, you know, I had a smile came over me because what I've always liked about Jethro Tull and, you know, I work at, I work at Showman Montreal. I'm, I'm a DJ at, at you know, Showman FM and, and we've, 
you know, the, I, I've been listening to your music as far back as I can remember. I'm going to be 51 years old. And I remember turning on the radio and hearing Jethro Tull as early as I can remember. So it's a staple in our playlist. It's a staple in the city. Um, but there's always been this thing about Jethro Tull where there's this energy in the music that's not like anything else that you really hear. And I don't know if that contributes to some of the instrumentation, but there seems to be that energy on this record. Um, it, it just takes you somewhere. You know, there's, yeah, there's smoke, smoke and mirrors. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lethargic <laughs> lump of lard um, who, but you, you know, you, you do try to convey that. And it's, <laughs> it, 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 it happens from the moment of writing a song, you know, you write, you write a line of lyrics. It already starts to suggest rhythm and right. meter. Right. It might even imply a tempo. Uh, if you speak the words out loud, they begin to have cadence. They begin to be, almost like the beginning of a melody, you know, in terms of rising and falling. And so you, you have right from, right, from the, uh, right from the beginning of the process, you know, it, it does sort of develop a, a sense of, of, of movement, of, of building energy. And, and hopefully if you work quickly as I do, then that energy is maintained throughout the process and, and especially recording with the other guys. So um, the, the enforced, gap between doing the the first seven songs and then my finishing the last five on my own um was a unfortunate but but in a way i think the dynamic variation with the songs on this record remind me a little bit of aqualung uh, as a as an album you know mm. where there were some acoustic little pieces and then some loud rock band songs and you know it had that that kind of dynamic energy about it it's sometimes um getting the the drummer to go on an extended tea break is quite a good idea <laughs> um there there seems to be an aesthetic to this record too um i know we've gotten two videos um the the, uh, the second of which came out today um and then the album cover i mean it's just it's you <laughs> it's you <laughs> shirtless um and it's quite it's just it's 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 quite a it it, it, has, it makes an impact is there a, a theme throughout this record that that transfers over to maybe the way the album cover looks uh the videos is there something that's weaving through all of this yes well it's implied very much in that title track it's uh, an album of songs about different human emotions and, right and um you know some good some bad and and the zealot gene is i suppose it, it in a way describes the um, the polarization, the the stark setting against um, people in society through populism in politics and and the aggression in social media that people seem to uh, want to exhibit in order to humiliate, to bully, to um generally be rather unpleasant to each other so it's it's about it's about that and i i on the album cover set out to try to come up with a simple image that would that would reinforce that idea of of polarization of black and white mm -hmm. and so i took a you know the the, the self-portrait photographically speaking i right. deliberately um lit it and um developed it in a way that was um you know, punchy and, you know, with one side of the face in the dark and one side, you know, lit against a background where the reverse black and white is, uh, makes up the background. And, and you know, I, I, I wanted to keep it um, punchy. To, it just worked that way. And again, you know, not having, because at the time I was doing the artwork, we were still not really in a place where I wanted to allow um, 
people in my in my home yeah photographers or video makers or other band members or whatever it might be so i you know i I, I'm photography is something I've been doing since I was about seven, eight years old, or maybe not quite 11, 12 years old. And um, it's um, you know, part of the process, really. I do a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of the promo stuff for the band. And um, so I'm quite used to uh, that sort of uh, technology, too. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a punchy album cover, and it's yeah, it is. It really is. I punch, mean, punchy title track that uh, it would be easy to say, "Oh, he's talking about Donald Trump here." <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's too easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. in fact, in fact, it's a compendium of characters. You, you, yeah. I could I could easily name at least six or eight people in the world today. You know, political leaders or national leaders who's populist policies are frighteningly dangerous yeah i'm sure you can think of the same names too oh, yeah. but it's it's it's, <laughs> it's all about dividing people and in a in a, a democracy in a true democracy like in your country or mine or a, a pseudo democracy like in some other countries um you know winning by a small margin is the reality of today mm -hmm. and um and so dividing people is a way of uh, of winning uh, affiliation and so you you will find i suppose in in those countries led by populist leaders that they um people love them or hate them yeah in pretty much equal measure but uh usually in um it tilts towards right-wing and traditional conservative values that um even those who perhaps think this guy's really not a good 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 leader but He's all we've got. Yeah. And um, I, I think possibly that, you know, there are the ardent Trump supporters and then there are those who are, are dyed in the wool ideological Republicans, but they wouldn't necessarily be comfortable voting for Donald Trump, but they, they, they want to maintain their Republican origins. And so in, in the USA, that, that would be the case. You know, Canada's a much more um, liberal country altogether. And yeah. Well, I think uh, there are many countries in Europe where coalition governments are the norm, but in in my country and uh, in the USA, it tends to be, um, you know, pretty much divided. Yeah, it's a it's a very strange time we're living in, and I and it's funny because I have a lot of a lot of friends in the US that tell me, you know, this whole idea of having the the American dream, where we're gonna you know we're gonna have a, you know a, a two good jobs and we're gonna have a nice house and um, and we're gonna be taken care of. Uh, that seems to exist right now in Canada more than anywhere. Um, you know, in, in terms of North America. And it's, it, it's interesting when, when they, when they mention that to me, they're like, we, we'd kind of like to be where you are right now, because it seems like you have healthcare, you have education, you seem to have been okay throughout this whole pandemic. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting world we live in. And I think going back now and when we're all, when we finish today, I'm going to go back and listen to the record now knowing um, where you're coming from. And I'm sure a lot more things are going to jump out at me. Well, the, the things that would uh, I would hope would jump out as they jumped out for me was when I, on day one of starting to work on a new project, I wrote down a list. I think I wrote down about fifteen words yeah. that that um, single words that suggested powerful emotions. So I had bad stuff like 
hate and jealousy and vengeance and greed and and then some good stuff like different forms of love mm. fraternal love erotic love spiritual love companionship loyalty compassion you know i i made a list and, and i looked at the list and i thought oh these are all the the kind of words you find in the bible and so i then did a big search of biblical text and <laughs> copied and pasted some reference points i didn't include any biblical text in my lyrics right but it was hovering in the background as a as a point of reference for some uh, historical context but i tried to make all or nearly all the songs relevant in the contemporary real world or at least in recent history in the case of um, mrs tibbetts so i yeah. I'm, was trying to give them a relevance I, I didn't want to write a song that was necessarily trying to put words that were written 2000 or 3000 years ago into uh, into a into a rock album i i, I didn't <laughs> want to do that yeah. so, I mean, it's, it's very it'd be simplistic and wrong to say that this is an album um, inspired by the Bible, it, it uses it uses references, but they're references from that, that I found, you know, to to uh, to uh, flesh out the one word topics that I started off with, um, and um, you know, I think um, I think it 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 gives me some mild intellectual pleasure to have a reason to have an album consisting of these songs under the same umbrella, under the same roof. You know, they're sitting together all on different subjects, but that, 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 the common ground is that of strong human emotion. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to bring up a collaboration because you were mentioning, you know, you've, you've, uh, collaborated through the internet or through file sharing for, for years. I'm going to bring up a collaboration that I'm pretty sure no one's brought up in a while, but it's one that stuck with me ever since I first heard it. And it's this record. Do you remember doing? Well, fun funnily enough, in, in my very last interview, someone about, brought it up Damn. about 30 <laughs> minutes ago, we talked about that, that very same thing. And, uh, were they Canadian as well? <laughs> Uh, no, no, it was it was somebody in the U.S. Oh, nice. Was, um, familiar with uh, with that album, and um, but yes, I, I heard the the previous uh, single, um, the Safety Dance, <laughs> and um, it it was quite a big hit in the U.K. And I, you know, it was a great video I mm -hmm. saw on TV, and I was immediately struck with with that because it was at a time when maybe the um the hippie dream was pretty much truly dead but this was this was like sort of sparking up a kind of a vision of of um almost like a hippie innocence of uh, people dancing and cavorting yeah um in a in a rural country scene and uh, i you know it was a, a breath of fresh air amidst all the synth pop of that <laughs> yeah. of that era yeah so i i um I, I must have said somewhere in some interview or something i must have uttered publicly that I, you know, was quite a fan of, of, um, of that album and, and the, the band, if it yeah. was a band, it was really just one man and his, uh, his girlfriend, uh, who turned up in London and asked me to play on a, on a track on, on a new record, which I, I was pleased to do. I mean, it's a lovely song. You it, know, it, really it's a, it, it really is. It really is. It's just a nice little slightly, um, you know, romantic and, um, um, nostalgic, little piece that um I, I thought was quite fun so um so ivan is a friend of mine and um i uh i i'm a big big man without hats fan ever since i'm mm. ever since i'm a kid and i remember that well, it's it, to me that the, the reason that that stuff works is it's a very skillful 
perhaps not entirely thought through, but it's, it, it works out as being intelligent pop music that yeah. is a very careful balance. It seemed like a very crafted balance between um, electronica mm-hmm. and some quite timeless melodies and words. And I, I, I you know, huge admirer of his uh, of his songs. I think it's uh, and I, I, I did actually do a search on Ivan recently to see what um, Men Without Hats, if it still existed as a oh, yeah. as a live performing band. And you know, I was pleased to see that he he was out there doing things. And um, obviously not in perhaps in the last couple of years, but certainly uh, seemed to be alive and well and um, and kicking in the sense of having a you know a place in the firmament of <laughs> yeah. pop and rock music. Yeah, no, they're 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 still going. Um, so yeah, well, please please pass on my uh, my uh, best wishes and uh, I will for sure how much I enjoyed performing on his song and I and I enjoyed hearing it and it's and it's it's a line that I I often whistle. <laughs> I'm a pretty good whistler. <laughs> Um, I wanted to ask you, um, there's, there's, uh, something very special about, uh, the live presentation of Jethro Tull. Um, I've, I've yet to see you live, but, um, everything that I've seen online, uh, you know, lends me to believe that a Jethro Tull show even now, um, is very, very energetic. Um, have you been putting together visuals for, for hopefully upcoming dates? We have um, used, to an increasing extent, we have used video. Mm. I mean, we first did it back in 1973, <laughs> using a projector and a big screen. Um, not all the way through the show, but you know, in, in a couple of a uh, couple of points. But um, we we have probably since 2012 has been a regular feature of our production shows. You know, where we travel with more equipment and. Yeah. Um, and we also, of course, play some generic performances outdoors, playing generic Jethro Tull repertoire without any bells and whistles, you know, just us on a stage, <clears throat> which is sometimes what you have to do, particularly outdoors, where sometimes it's not safe to erect screens and um, and where it's not part of a you know promoter's uh, budget to pay all that extra money for video walls and all the rest of it. But you know, we 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 do we do quite a lot of that, and of course, we have to generate new original video material for the set list that's applicable to a given tour. And um, we, we started that for um, the 2020 series of concerts, mm. which was a, a revisiting of some of the more, for me, the, the milestones, the stepping, stepping stone points really to, um, to the broadly speaking, progressive rock songs of Jethro Tull, things that for me were, you know, were, were, were key songs where I was making a definite move to explore something a little different, but within the broad genre of progressive rock. And um, so we, we, we devised a, a video show, which um, we only were able to play twice, once in Barcelona, once in Madrid. Then we flew to uh, Helsinki for a, a tour of Finland, only to find out by the time we checked into the hotel that uh, the government had come out of a meeting and cancelled all public gatherings due to COVID infections uh, suddenly appearing and rising. And um, and that was the end of it until July of this year. Actually, no, August of this year, when at the end of August, we finally managed to do a couple of live concerts for the first time in a, a year and a half and played two outdoor shows in Germany and then in Switzerland. And we did a bunch of indoor shows, you know, slightly nervously. Um, but we all test every 48 hours and try to make sure that we minimize 
our social contacts outside the the bubble of, of band and crew. Right. And um, you know, we 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 uh, we've been. I know. Last week, I was playing, uh, doing some fundraisers in in three of England's great cathedrals, and um, I, um, you know, as always, I'm trying my best to be very careful uh, not to catch COVID because I have uh, underlying health conditions which make me, you know, in the vulnerable category. Should I, should I um, uh, be infected? And of course, I'm vaccinated, triple vaccinated now. Have a booster dose too. But um, I have to get on a plane next week to fly to uh, Rome to do the Vatican Christmas concert, big TV special. And um, you know, I, I'm, I'm I should be pretty nervous about it because it's all right if you know I'm playing with a with a big orchestra and uh, you know some other soloists and many other artists. But you know, the point is they they can spend all of their time. Wearing a wearing a, a, a an FFP two or N ninety five or N ninety nine face mask, you know something of quality that will give them a degree of protection and give others protection from them. Um, whereas a, a flute player can't do that. <laughs> no, you know, I, I can can't, imagine. I, that. It's impossible to play the flute with a with a mask on. Nothing, right. no noise at all. It comes out just a <laughs> pathetic sort of um, fluffy bleating noise. And um, so I, I do have to be unmasked and perform. Yeah. And if you're doing that on two hours of a Jethro Tull concert, it's two hours of aerobics, and I probably am breathing four times for every everybody else's one breath. And, you know, of course, it makes me a little nervous. You're yeah. standing in front of, uh, you know, let's say a couple of thousand people in a, in a theatre, and statistically, it's likely that there's going to be 30, 40 people who have COVID in yeah. that audience, whether they know it or not. Right. And... Um, you know, I think I think it's very unlikely that any of us will not have encountered uh, the uh, SARS-CoV-2 virus and its variants at some point. You know, in the in the months to come, as uh, the new variant, which is uh, seemingly very contagious, is kicking off in a big way here. So, then uh, every time I you know, see a notification from our government website that advises us on travel rules and entry rules into other countries that, you know, I, I get two or three a day. Yeah. Every, everywhere is instituting further degrees of control. And uh, I have to take three tests, one to go to Italy. Yeah. One while I'm there in order to return from Italy and another one when you two arrive. days after I get back. Yeah. yeah. So um, I bought and paid for three tests yesterday, and uh, I'm dreading that Italy introduces more restrictions. So I was supposed to do the Vatican concert last year, but they introduced a restriction imposing a five-day quarantine on all travellers from the UK. And so I was, um, obviously, I can't go there and do five days quarantine <laughs> in a hotel. No, um, no. It's, um, I might never get out again because you've got to, you know, you've got to do a PCR test to be released. And it gets a little bit scary because you might well have picked up COVID in that time, as has happened in several quarantine hotels in different parts of the world. So, yeah, I'm naturally just very cautious about it all. But right. uh, I accept the fact that probably sooner or later I am going to get COVID. And I just hope that um, with the benefits of hopefully um, a low viral load in the first place and the benefit of triple vaccination and the benefit of medication if it gets that bad that I have to go into hospital then I I would hope reasonably to survive 
My, my daughter, who was double vaccinated, she came down with COVID a few weeks ago and she was really pretty ill. Right. And um, I know several people who've been fully vaccinated and still caught COVID and, and, and suffered quite a bit. But I, I met somebody just the other day, one of my guests on, a, on a, in one of the cathedral shows who'd, who'd um, tested positive for COVID and, and um, had basically no symptoms at all. Yeah, it's, whereas it's, it's, his, it's, uh, his wife was quite seriously ill, but he, he kind of got away with it, even though he tested positive. For it. So it, it affects different people different ways. And um, I would hope that um, when it comes my turn to get a positive test result, then I will um, I will do as uh, I am told to do and self-isolate and keep away from everybody, including my family and, and um, hide out until hopefully the worst of it is over. Well, I'm uh, I'm I'm pulling for you, and I think you're going to be okay. And I think you'll I think we'll all get through this. But I agree with you. It is it, it, every artist. I yeah, well, my 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 days are brightened by the fact that I can now buy an N95 mask in sexy black. <laughs> so this um, only come in white, you see. The, yeah. But I, I'm, I'm all all the band and crew. We all wear quality masks. No silly face coverings yeah. or cotton or you know silly you know we were something that's giving us a bit of a fighting chance and uh, you know a degree of social distancing because on stage i i'm very careful as a flute player not to play my flute straight into the face of our guitarist right you know, because, uh, it projects a long way about three three meters in fact of very very um concentrated plume of fine aerosol droplets <laughs> exudes from my flute so you, you don't want to be you don't don't want to be on the receiving end of that i was just going to say i'm i'm sure whoever um gets your flute when you when you walk off stage and you hand your flute after playing it i'm sure oh, i never hand it to anybody no 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 <laughs> no. no one touches my flute <laughs> you know uh, i think um i think i i i've allowed people to pick up my guitar as yeah. long as they pick up the stand that it's on. They right. don't touch the guitar. But no one touches that, your that, flute. That, that, it's, it's been like that for years and years and years. I mean, I never let people really? touch my flute. Oh, oh, absolutely. It's a very fragile instrument, yeah. you know, with a lot of complex key work. And so you really don't want people to be getting hold of it because they might grip it too tightly and damage it or, or very probably, you know, they're going to leave some telltale bit of, um, um, you know, greasy fingerprints on it. And um, I, I'm a, always been an inveterate hand washer. So the last thing I do before I walk on stage, I wash my hands carefully with soap and water. So I walk on stage at least with clean hands and hope that my flute um, does not get greasy. And because the, the biggest enemy of a flute is, um, is oil and grease that causes key work to stick and uh, pads to get stuck down and that sort of thing so yeah nobody touches my flute um <laughs> and um uh, that's the way it's always been um ian i i again i i appreciate you taking the time to chat today uh i think people are really going to dig the record i'm i'm excited to get off and listen to it now with with a better understanding and i think when people uh get a chance to hear our chat they'll they'll probably have a better understanding going into hearing it so uh but but again just good to hear um, Jethro Tull putting out a record again, even though it was a bit of a, a bit of, a, excuse my language, clusterfuck to get it done, but you got it past the finish line. And, and I think mm. people are really, really going to appreciate it. Well, I, 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 I hope so. And I, I think most people will just listen to it as music. Mm. It matters little to them as to, you know, what lay behind it in terms of a process of making this, you know, writing the songs and so on. But, you know, I know there are always those fans who are, you know, really like to know the details. Yeah. So I, I, 
I decided after a lot of thought that I would put all that detail into the booklet and the contents of the, the albums and be prepared to talk about it. But um, I think for most people, it's it's just peripheral. You know, it's uh, you, you either like the songs or you don't. You don't necessarily have to examine them in detail and consider carefully where the lyrics come from. And I think that's that, that's 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 an added an added bonus if you're if you're fastidious enough in your concerns as to the background to 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 to, to do that but now at the end of it, it's just it's got to work as a piece of pop music really which yeah. is you know pop rock is kind of i suppose what it is most for the most part i guess i'm one of the fastidious ones <laughs> well you know it's 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 i mean me me too i i like to have a rationale i like to yeah. have a reason for doing something i i like to have it you know kind of in my head that this is why i'm doing it this is what it's about and you know so yes for me it's kind of important but I, I think it's equally maybe a little foolish to assume that other people feel the same way and certainly to force upon them the 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 more intellectual standpoint is something that you know will meet with a certain degree of resistance and um I absolutely understand why you know I am altogether you know far too um inward looking and anal about my own music and compositions you know i think um i think other people should just just have fun just put it on you know, and like it. it you know just shred it or or in the modern world just hit delete <laughs> on, your, on your phone or computer it's easy to get rid of now easy easy if you don't like it delete yeah delete uh ian thanks so much for taking the time it's been an absolute pleasure chatting today Wow, that was really cool. <laughs> What'd you think of that? Uh, I th- I think uh, on the cover of his new album, he's. Just, I'm surprised the album wasn't called Eisenberg <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, it looks yeah. just like Walter White on it. Like know, you really, yeah. There's a, there's a resemblance, man. I think that's pretty cool. In fact, it makes Jethro Tull even more endearing to me now. So yeah, you know. yeah. So so the cover of the record, as we spoke about in the interview, um, is is a pretty honest portrait of 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 ian and it's uh, it's really really cool the album's called the zealot gene uh and it's available now and uh i, I you know i think jethro tall fans are really going to dig this record man i think they're really going to dig this album awesome i'm looking for i'm looking forward to hearing it and uh it was uh you know it was a deep interview but like that's the best thing about this long form and like i've seen you do interviews for years and the junkets sometimes you have like you know your three questions get in get out five minutes it seemed like ian was in no rush to finish this conversation and that, that was really nice super generous with his time um and uh the you know the bands the band's trying to get their tour done and as you heard in the interview you know ian's super concerned about uh, you know, the current state of the world in, ter- in terms of like, you know, in terms of, in terms of health measures and stuff. And, and he's posted that, you know, he, he won't, he can't meet any fans. He's going to be staying in his bubble. And I think with him, it's, it's, he's got a lot of pre um, pre-existing health conditions that he's mm-hmm. nervous about. And I think anyone at his age, you know, I get it, but I think fans are just going to be excited to go see him live. And and I do hope we get a date here in Canada at one point. It was a really, really good, be really fun to see Jethro Tull live. Um, especially the fact that he's got the band back and, and it's not just him, you know, but I love when he was talking about his flute. Like, do you hand your flute to somebody? He's like, I don't give my flute to anyone. I'm like, what? Like, I didn't know like flautists were so, um, were so, you know, uh, possessive or, 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 uh, paranoid about giving their flute to anyone. And I, but I, I get that, you know? Well, it's not exactly like a big, heavy guitar or something like that. Not that guitars are heavy, but after playing it for two hours, maybe you want to put it down. I always, I was something 
fascinating to me. Every time someone I know is really good at guitar, they don't yeah. needlessly carry it around be, unless it's a very expensive guitar, of course, but they sure. don't needlessly carry it around because they don't have to prove to anybody that they're a guitar player at all times. But yeah. even though Ian doesn't let a lot of people carry his flute, I'm hard pressed to think that he carries it around outside <laughs> just to remind people he's in Jethro Tull. I really doubt that. He yeah, seems no. to be a pretty proficient player from day one. Yeah, I think he's just, I think it, to him, it's just, it's his instrument and it's a personal thing. And I understand it, you know, like a guitar, you're playing with your hands, but you're, you know, a, a flute, you're playing with your mouth, you know, and that's a pretty, it's a pretty personal area. You know, you don't share your mouth with, is, you know, if you, I mean, depending who you are, but if you're sharing your mouth or whatever you're putting your mouth Especially on. Especially not now. Especially yeah. not now. Like the very idea of me having to play a flute and a hundred, even five people putting their gummy hands all over right before I got put no. my mouth on it for two hours. No gives bueno. me <laughs> gives me the heebie-jeebies just thinking about it. What he said about the spit valve or just how you he has to be really careful yeah. that his guitar player isn't there so he doesn't have to get all this <laughs> this um spit shot coming out of the flute. Yeah. All these things I learned about the flute today, man. Yeah, well, that's it. If you're going into a, an assembly in a high school and you're worried about spreading anything, don't bring a flute player because they're just going to, you know, they're going to infect the entire place. Um, but man, it was really, really fun to talk to him. New album comes out January 28th. So make sure people go check out The Zealot Gene. Um, it's available on Century Media Records. And uh, I, I'm just really grateful that we got to talk to Ian. So uh, Ryan, next week on the show, um, we have got someone really cool. Were you ever a fan of Incubus? I'm very aware of Incubus, and uh, I, of course, I uh, know the song "Wish You Were Here." Yeah, um, huge and hit. Uh, yeah, huge hit. Uh, funny enough, actually, I was familiar with Incubus for the first time because there's a show on Much Music called "So You Want to Be a Rock Star," where they recreate the music video with yep. fans. Oh and wow! These, and these people were so jazzed to be there that their their uh, love for Incubus was kind of infectious. And that's how actually how I finally started to be because, you know, I was a punk kid. I was just some dickhead who was just like, it's not Rancer, fuck off. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as I grew older and my brain grew and I got out of my own ass each and every year, I, uh, you know, my musical horizons grew. So, yeah. I'm excited to have uh, Brandon Boyd on on the show. Uh, he's he's not only is he a, a great musician, he's also a great artist. So we're going to talk all about that. We're going to talk about his solo album that's coming out soon. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, I just want to take a minute to thank you, Ryan, uh, my co-host, for always being here with me. Thanks for uh, for all the support. And uh, and uh, it's always a, 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 it's always fun to be able to come on here. And uh, I, I never take that for granted. I want to thank our uh, producer, Julia Kajerski, our guest, Ian Anderson. And uh, don't forget all the things you need to do. Uh, follow our podcast. Go down below, subscribe, and uh, and follow us. And you will uh, be alerted every time we have a new podcast that drops. Uh, I'd like to thank my guest, uh june the dog who was with us today uh briefly in and out of the uh of the kitchen and in of the back of the uh the podcast studio and uh and all of you for being uh, a part of this it's been uh, a great journey and it's going to continue to be a great journey so we will see you next week on the rockman power hour <laughs>